Good afternoon, everyone. This is Lou Weiss from Manufacturing Talk Radio. Uh, I'm here today with Ara Serenian, who is with uh, Plex, P-L-E-X, who is part of a company that you all know about. So, uh, Ara, why don't you tell us a little bit about who you're part of, what you're doing, and uh, we'll take it from there. Sounds sounds good, Lou. Thanks. Thanks for having me uh, join you today. Uh, so my name is Ars Serenian. Um, I am the VP of product for Plex's supply chain planning and scheduling solution. Specifically, Plex is part of Rockwell Automation, um, where we specifically provide cloud-based ERP, MES, QMS, uh, APO, um, supply chain planning and scheduling quality solutions um, to manufacturers, both small to huge um, enterprise uh, manufacturers with global footprints. It's a rather broad, broad based uh, concept. Uh, so let me ask you, um, uh, I'm sure you, you're, you're national, you're international. Um, I, I'd like to ask, uh, when you're out there reaching for uh, clients, manufacturing clients who have inventory, like what's behind you there, right? <laughs> they, uh, when, when you're talking with a potential client and you're trying to get the point across about planning and so on, so they don't have to use uh, Excel, right? excuse me, uh, what is it that you, how do you present this to a client right. who's been using either Excel spreadsheets or uh, yellow pieces of paper and so right. on? What is it that you do to make their lives better, more efficient, and sure. so on? Yeah, so um, it's actually a, a really simple way of, you know, stating it. You know, one of the biggest problems with Excel is that it is very manual in that, yeah, data has to be pulled in from somewhere and then folks do some work with it and then often hand it off or share that file with others. And if you don't really control who has access to what and the formulas and so on, things break. And we see that all the time where their Bible, so to speak, of, of their inventory planning and scheduling breaks um, because of you know, mistakes folks make. And as the dynamics of supply and demand are constantly changing and evolving, particularly over the last two plus years with COVID and all the disruptions that have happened from that point forward, um, trying to react to all those changes in an Excel um, manually initiated process is really hard, particularly the broader your portfolio, the more locations you have to manage, and in manufacturing as you have deeper, more complicated bombs. So if you've got a, a couple of hundred finished goods that you're purchasing, you may be able to pull it off in a spreadsheet. The broader your portfolio becomes, it, it gets very challenging to manage, particularly as change is constant. 
So what's a solution like the Mancaster provides, which is the product that I lead, is the ability to directly integrate with the ERP master data, pull that data in, and then generate forecasts and forward-looking plans that automatically get translated into a supply plan to which then gets exploded through the bombs, takes into account lead times, and runs an optimized requirements plan while setting inventory levels and so on in a very automated manner. So instead of manually trying to figure it out, it provides oversights over um, in a automated approach and in turn uh, allows folks to address exceptions and react appropriately to these changes and try to drive more proactive decision-making as opposed to manipulating and playing around with the data all the time. So a really important idea and, and reality that we try to help folks resolve. One of the things that uh, myself and my co-host, who's not here today, Tim Grady, is that manufacturers, they know how to make things. Yeah. They know how to sell things. They know how to do whatever it is they do. Uh, but one of the things that they don't know is how to uh, improve the efficiency uh, of their operation. They don't, there's a lot of things with regards to new technology that they really don't know yeah. how to do. So right. you have a product and, and frankly, there are lots of similar products out there uh, and they're all slightly different, uh, but are you finding it difficult to sell the concept to a manufacturer, whether it's a small retailer or a small manufacturer or a large manufacturer as to, I have a product, or not, you have a product. Can you get them to buy in quickly to understand that here's the deal, we can help make your life easier, more right. efficient, more better return on investment and so on and so forth. How do you go about doing that? Yeah. Is it easy? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I think the, the answer is it depends. Um, look, there's nothing easy in manufacturing. Let, let's state that as a matter of fact. I, I mean, my career, I started off as a mechanical engineer and then went into um, plant management, operations management. So I sat in the chair where a, a, a manufacturing guy is trying to figure out these problems. So there were a few things that I knew when I was both a supervisor and a plan manager, everything starts with data. The more data you have, the more accurate that data is, the better you can make decisions. You have an understanding of what's going wrong. You can apply classic principles such as the Pareto principle, rank it, go after the biggest problem and so on. So it starts with data. Now, in when I worked in manufacturing, this is going back a while in the 90s, late 80s, 90s, um, you know, we didn't have all the systems we have today, right? There was no way to easily get data out of a machine and understand the performance of a machine in terms of 
its its efficiency and when it's had problems and it wasn't running to the rates that it's supposed to. We have that now. And being part of Rockwell, we have this unique advantage in that most of the controllers in the world of manufacturing are Allen Bradley, right? So as part of Rockwell, we have the ability to connect and actually pull out that data and use that in all the decision-making, right? So if I have a planning and scheduling problem I'm trying to solve, by enriching that data with machine data, we now are able to better predict what's going to happen. We are able to identify issues in performance and come up with solutions to those problems, whether it be a better maintenance program to address machine downtime issues, we can see operator performance and help optimize the schedule around skill sets that may be available. So that, that's really where we help solve the problems. And the most important question that I often ask any customer we're, we're dealing with is, do you have the time and the resources initially to invest in this? Because if you can't fix your data and you can't solve the core issues, we really can't help. We can show you the problem, but right. it still requires the human beings to go in and actually fix the problems, if you know what I mean. To, to that point, uh, my primary business is not manufacturing talk radio, but it's all metals and forge group. Right. It's a steel forging company. In 1994, 28 years ago, uh, and I decided that I wanted to go for ISO uh, 9000. 10, yes. And then in 1998, we went for AS 9100 right. yeah. aerospace. Uh, my employees at the time, both on the floor and in the offices and admin, their uh, combined methodology was why do we have to listen to a foreign country switch? Right. Why do we have to do that? Why do we have to make these changes? And, you know, you can tell the story over and over again about the why. Right. Why this, why that, why the other thing. It was a hard sell, and I'm sure you have hard sells as well. Uh, we wound up receiving our uh, certification of registration in 1994 and it was the first day that we had our certificate in the hand and one of our salespeople received a phone call from a client in uh, Wisconsin who said I have a problem I need to mm -hmm. buy a steel forging, but it has to come from a company who is ISO certified. Right. Are you ISO certified? And we happen to be one of the first metal companies mm -hmm. that were certified. And of course, the salesman said, yes. Yeah. I'll never forget it as long as I live. It was a $50,000 order in 1994. And he got the order primarily because we had the ISO. I didn't right. have to sell the story anymore. Right, right, right. Everybody right. got it. 
So it takes a it takes that kind of uh, experiment to yeah. make it plausible and make it understandable that okay, I got it. Right. Are you experiencing that? Um, to a certain, I, I'm not sure. Again, it depends on the the customer. Um, so we, I mean, there's some comparable things. So, you know, everybody's worried about security right now, right? And we're cloud-based. And the one thing that we have that we can show our customers is that we have a 98 um, scorecard rating out of 100 on security, right? That our competitors don't have. So if you're worried about it, if security is top of mind, we have that. We also have um, just a whole number of case studies where we can share with our customers a before and after in terms of inventory accuracy, of um, you know, throughput improvements, OEE, all these things by implementing our application. So it's not a certification per se, but it's testimonials that we can share and show people how our solution helped drive people to that better outcome. When you say security, are you talking in terms of uh, cybersecurity? Cybersecurity. Example, uh, NIST 800-171? Yeah, so it, it is. Um, so we're getting certified. We have certifications relative to that. Uh, but we also have our own security protocols that we follow relative to speed of patching, vulnerability identification, a whole sor sorts of things. And we have a third party that constantly is looking at our application through the internet to assess how well we're grading on a whole host of critical criteria, right? that are often the openings and the vulnerabilities that bad actors can follow. So, you know, we believe that a, as a partner to a manufacturer, because, um, you know, we're cloud-based and we're the ones managing all the things that normally companies have to manage on their own, that we adhere to a very high security requirement that provides our customers comfort that there won't be um, downtime as a result of some ransomware attack or things like that. You know, case in point, we had a customer that their entire intranet and all their systems were held by ransomware. And the only thing running was their manufacturing system that was in the cloud, right? So oftentimes for traditional manufacturers, even this idea of moving from, I own all my data today to the cloud is sort of a big step for them because manufacturing sure. systems aren't traditionally in the cloud. Um, that's changed significantly. And there's lots of evidence that shows the value um, and security is sort of a cornerstone in providing our customers the comfort and the, the, the understanding that we take their data seriously and they're going to have, you know, 98, 99.99999 uptime with the solutions we provide. 
So before before we get too far into the uh, show, why don't you give us again the name of your company, URL, and an either an email address if you wish. Yeah. So I, I won't give an email address because it's all on the website. So for okay. ERP, MES, QMS, APO, those products, you can go to Plex.com as well as supply chain planning is at Plex.com. Uh, the supply chain planning solution also has a solution um, called uh, that's with the URL demandcaster.com. So the word demand and then caster, C-A-S-T-E-R.com is where the supply chain planning and scheduling solution resides. And great. then from there, there's ways to contact us. So That's great. That's great. Because uh, certainly one of the things that we'd like to do is to get the inf your information out to the public because like I said at the beginning, they know how to make things, they know how to do things, but they don't necessarily know how to go forward, how to become more efficient, how to become more secure, and so on. So it's it's important that uh, your story, as well as others, get out to the manufacturing world. Excellent. Yeah, thank you. And, and to that degree, I thank you for your input here. Absolutely. So give us one of your uh, more success stories of where somebody, uh, I don't know, maybe you have one that uh, crashed and burned and you brought them back to life. Crashed and burned and brought them back to life. Oh, boy. Um, so uh, I'm trying to think of a couple of good examples I can share very quickly. So we had a really, um, so they didn't crash and burn while we were there. So we were, they were struggling with inventory. They were struggling with shortages. We were, they were struggling with, um, you know, carrying too much of what they don't need, too little of what they don't need. They were struggling, at, you know, creating purchasing requirements against their suppliers and finding that they were constantly expediting so we got involved um, in, in planning and scheduling and implemented a sales and operation planning business forecasting process all the way through supply execution. Um, and, and the word that the CEO would use um, was it was transformational in that. And it wasn't like any magic. It was simple things like once you start formally planning and scheduling, and one of the neat things about our application, it's very visual and you can follow demand up and down a chain. Um, they started to understand collectively the importance of accurate inventory, uh, accurate order management, uh, making sure the demand planning was being um, measured for accuracy, that they weren't constantly changing it. So a good system not only makes it easier to plan and schedule, but it should also drive discipline in how people approach their business. And that really is the transformational part. It's that transition. So we were able to help them drive down their inventory significantly, millions and millions of dollars. Um, they were actually able to use this money to acquire a competitor during um, COVID because they were going to go out of business and suddenly they had a lot of cash on hand. 
Um, and even during COVID, they saw tremendous growth because they were able to, in essence, steal business from their competitors because they were very targeted in how sure. they were addressing the, sure. the market. Sure. Uh, just a very quick story of mine. Yeah, please. Uh, we had uh, several years ago, uh, we at our plant, we had been hit by a hurricane. Mm -hmm. And uh, the National Guard came in and they shut down our roads. They shut down our plant because our plant was underwater. Right. And uh, which was obviously a, a terrible situation. We had no plans in place. Uh, it was impossible to have plans in place. So we were shut down uh, as a result of the storm. We were shut down for five days. And once the five days have come and gone, I said to my team that, you know what? We can never have this happen again. Right, right, so right. So we, we created a, a business continuity plan that if we ever had a situation like that again, that we could flip a switch and the next day we're up and running. Right. So that we did that. It took us a year to build this business continuity plan. And this is what companies need to do. You Absolutely. Have, you have to think about what you don't know is coming. Right. So what we did was we built the business continuity plan and then guess what? COVID came. Yeah. And on March 23rd, uh, 2020, uh, the state of New Jersey, and our local community said, you're closing down. And the next day, we had everybody working from home. They all had computers, they had printers, they had scanners, they had uh, uh, their cell phones were all connected to our main phone line. And when the next day came, we flipped the switch and we were operational. Right. And, you know, it, it's like I said, it took a year and a, a lot of money to make this happen. But with the idea that, well, this will never happen. And right. I got a lot of pushback from employees and management and so on. And you know what? They were mm -hmm. thankful that this happened. And we've been working uh, from administrative and sales wise. We've been operating remotely for the last two and a half years. Right. Frankly, it's working better than when prior to. Yeah. So. Yeah. No, I, I hear you. I, I mean, that was the beauty of our Plex customers uh, because we're cloud. Um, they could work from anywhere. It didn't matter. Right. Obviously, the manufacturing folks had to be on the line. But even engineering and, and manufacturing engineers could go in and view what was happening on the line directly from the web um, because things were connected um, right. Right. right to the shop floor. So let, let, let's get into some of the nuts and bolts of your program. Uh, uh, your software, is this, uh, do companies buy your software or is it a lease software? Yeah, it's, it's a subscription. Uh, right. It's a subscription. Okay. So just like your Netflix is a subscription, um, you can get enterprise software as a subscription. Uh, so it's SAAS, subscription as a service. Um, so they pay a, a annual fee and that gives them license to use the software. 
Um, they can choose um, different uh, apps. So in our world, we have two primary products. We have something called advanced requirements planning. That is a, it's a optimized uh, MRP engine that includes MRP, DRP, purchasing, capacity planning, and so on. And then we have an advanced business planning solution that provides demand planning, supply planning, and support of integrated business planning, sales and operation planning, and so on. But that serves as an input into the day-to-day -day requirements planning portion of the application. So they choose both. Um, we provide unlimited users. Um, and the key metric is um, the number of SKUs you're planning. Because ultimately, our, we're directly affecting inventory so the more items you manage, the more locations you manage, the higher the value. So that is basically defines the footprint, the size of the problem we're helping solve. So um, that, that's just for supply chain planning, but we have other pro, uh, products that follow a similar type of subscription process. So in view of my story of the flood of the Passaic River and <laughs> your uh, planning of possible issues down the road, it's a real good idea for people to buy into this so that they don't run into crises. Of course. Uh, you know, I, I have a, a favorite expression, crisis rules over order unless you do something in advance. Right, right, right. Correct? Yes. Yes. Um, so in, in line with that thought, you know, it's basically what you're talking about is scenario planning, right? So you, in advance, determine a scenario. Not, can you think of every scenario? Could people have predicted the, the black swan event of COVID? Most people didn't. Maybe they, they had something in their plan that was a version of that shorter lived. But, you know, think about the Fukushima nuclear power plant meltdown in Japan and, and the impact that had on the supply chain, hurricanes, earthquakes, I, I mean, you name it every and then the frequency of natural disasters have unfortunately increased in frequency and it have basically affected a broader um, it's like it's it's globally affecting and then you have wars that break out with Russia and Ukraine so. You know, can you think of everything? No, but if you think of key things, like anything that disrupts your supply chain in any way, what do you do to overcome that? So like everything else, you, you start with understanding and ranking where, for example, in your supply base, who are your most critical suppliers? You know, which of these suppliers supply um, the goods and, and that support our, our revenue, our, our high runners, things like that. Once you start understanding the potential risk and um, you can then make decisions. So a great example is a lot of companies traditionally single source certain critical ingredients or materials. So it could be a steel forger, right? That they have the exact uh, requirements you need. And, and they may be located somewhere and there's, you know, 60% of your revenue is tied to that. Well, 
a smart business should be looking at potentially not single sourcing, but dual sourcing that, or even, you know, increasing it to three suppliers just in case. And they should be geographically dispersed because having two suppliers in the same region doesn't help you if you have the same natural disaster against it, right? Correct. So that's the idea of scenario planning is understanding the suppliers, the manufacturing locations, all the things that go about helping you meet your revenue objectives and profit objectives of the business, ranking them and coming up with contingencies just in case something goes wrong, right? Um, that's what you did with your contingency planning. Yes. You know, so when COVID came out, it wasn't COVID, you weren't planning for COVID, but everything you did for the other thing prepared you. Well, I was prepared for anything and everything, and it worked out well. It did take us a year because there was no crisis involved. Exactly. So we did this slowly. We thought about it methodically and so on. But typically, um, how long does it take for you to implement a system yeah, for yeah. a particular client, whether it's a big company or a little company? It, it depends on what we're implementing, but I'll, I'll speak to supply chain planning specifically because I know that the best. It is as fast as the customer wants it to be. Um, so typically to implement and train it, on average, it would be about 12 weeks, right? You have to get the data right. You have to make sure that people show up and sit in and learn the product. Um, it can be longer if they're not doing what they're supposed to be doing. Or in many cases, the implementation process identifies issues with their master data. Their bombs are wrong. Their routings are wrong. Um, they may have inventory accuracy issues. They may not be closing orders in a timely manner. Um, we actually have a customer like that that's really struggled in their managing the transactional portion of their work. And our system is highly dependent on accurate data or else it's going to lead you to do something that you may not want to do. Um, so if your inventory is inaccurate. So typically it's three months, three to four months is the typical time frame. It can be faster if it's relatively simple integration and the data is very clean. Um, and if they come in with some basic knowledge, like if they're APIC certified, you know, and understand material requirements, planning, and all the things under the the um, the APIC or the like, they changed their name. Um, I forgot their name anyway. I always know them as APICs because I'm an old timer. Um, if you come in with that book of knowledge, you'll learn it faster and you can be up and running quite quickly. If you don't, it may take a little time to learn the ABCs of requirements planning. I think one of the most important factors in implementing any kind of a program like this is um, management buy-in. Yes, yeah, and very important. They, they have to understand that their business is at risk. Yes. And if they don't understand that and buy into that, then they're doomed. Yeah. Management buy-in is critical regardless 
of any change management requires executive sponsorship, requires management buy-in, or else the people, if they don't see their executives think it's serious, they won't follow through. Why right. spend the time doing something that no one cares about? And that's particularly important in sales and operation planning, which is a uh, process that our software supports. The whole idea of SNOP is that it is across, um, it's cross-functional. It's not just manufacturing or sales making decisions. It is, we're making it collectively. And in the end, a man, executives must ensure that everybody is in alignment or else if sales say we need X and production says we can do Y and no one reconciles the two, the plan is going to fail. So regardless, you know, Lou, you're right. It, it's critically important, it, regardless of software implementation, anything that's a change from the status quo requires executive buy-in, executive sponsorship, executive leadership. I, I also would assume that uh, as you upgrade uh, your software, uh, with new uh, new toys that uh, that's all included in yeah. the progression of their program that they're involved in. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So we have, um, so the beauty of software as a service and, and our approach is there's a single code base, multi-tenant in that every customer has their own in essence, database and instance they're running. It's not being shared across any customer, um, but that single code base, and that makes it such that when something new is released, um, oftentimes it's optional. You can either um, choose to have it enabled in, the, um, in your business node or not, um, but customers get that automatically. The only exception is if it's something brand new that is a, a brand new module that's not included as part right. of the core solution, then people will have to um, basically opt in to that functionality. And often there's an increase in subscription fee because those are often tied to value. So we're currently working on a new machine learning engine for forecasting accuracy that will require an upgrade over our current engine because it's a big, um, leap forward in, in technology um, that has additional costs associated to it. So um, those often require a subscription. How, how often do you have some major uh, upgrade? Yeah, so um, on a typical basis, so we release something nearly every week. Uh, every but week. every week, it's something small. Yeah. It could be an enhancement. It could be an improvement. Um, but we're often, we have a very rich customer input in terms of ideas. And we have different levels of um, development. So at the highest level, we have what's called roadmap. Roadmaps typically are released once a quarter. These are bigger things, a higher cost development, spanning longer periods of time and require a formal introduction, not only internally of what's new 
but also externally to our customer base. Um, and so there's a formality to how we release those things. Then at the next level down, we have what we call customer success. These are smaller items, often ideas submitted by customers that we um, introduce on a gradual basis. But we effort to have a, a couple of these come out every month. Um, we announce it in our release notes. We have messaging in the app to let them know it's available. If it's optional, they have the opportunity to ask us to turn it on in their instance and they can start using it. And then the um, third level is something we call tech debt and bugs. Um, you know, every software has bugs. Uh, but we have this constant process of identifying and addressing issues that um, either in a very rare occasion, a customer brings to our attention, but in most cases, we identify these things during our testing processes, our QA processes. And we'll so so it's, a grow, it's a growing process. Uh, there's always a good reason why your clients stay with you because yeah. it's a growing process. And as their business grows, which I'm sure it does and will with regards to your uh, uh, base program, that yeah. it's, uh, it, it's a good thing and you have longtime clients. Yeah, that's the goal. I mean, I've had customers with us from the day I started this business. So th this software was actually something I created. Um, and we were acquired by um, Plex at that time, back in 2016. Um, so I have customers from year one, which was back in 2007, that are still with us. Um, yeah, so I, I always love that. Um, and it, it's a point of pride. So. And thank you very much for your, your time and your effort, your input. Uh, I'm sure that our uh, audience uh, uh, can appreciate, and I, I would like you to give us your uh, your URL information again one last time. Yeah, so plex.com, P-L-E-X.com for the Plex product portfolio, which includes my poor, um, product as well, Demandcaster, but there's also demandcaster.com um, that's specific to supply chain planning and scheduling. And I would like uh, to thank everyone who has tuned in to uh, this show and hope that you've uh, uh, learned another step going forward in order to help your own businesses uh, to uh, help grow, help the efficiency and so on uh, with your businesses and uh, perhaps to reach out to Anand uh, uh, for his uh, his product that's going to help you continue the growth of your business in a very healthy uh, way. Uh, I also would suggest to our audience that uh, Manufacturing Talk Radio is on every uh, Tuesday. Uh, we also have uh, uh, WAM, which is Women and Manufacturing, which is on every Wednesday. Uh, we have several other, we have uh, Cliff Notes, we have uh, Manufacturing Matters, uh, we have uh, four or five other uh, different slices of manufacturing. So you might want to go to Jacket Media Co., which is uh, the jacket in case you didn't catch the uh, inference, 
um, to come and listen to our shows. Uh, we have great guests. We have great uh, stories and uh, come and listen to us and uh, or listen to us on your favorite platforms, uh, YouTube and all the other uh, platforms that are out there. Uh, Anand, thank you very much for your time. Anything that comes up that's of new and value and explosive, uh, let our team know, and we'll be happy to have you back on the show. Thank you. Uh, thank you for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.